Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. And what's, um, let's do a wrap-up of the week. That, ah, that what w- I've been doing in schools over the, this last week. The week that was. The week that was. Mm. Oh, well, wonderful, big week for me, um, especially as we launched into the sixth of the um, workshops in the series called Be Brave and Lead. So working with a really dynamic group of principals and their literacy leaders across 10 schools in the Adelaide Hills. Mm -hmm. Um, So we... Be brave and lead in literacy. Yes, Yes. be brave and lead in literacy. Um, So our session last week was really focusing or focused in on um, the tools and routines for word work. And one of the big things that's going to lead very nicely into today's session um, is that we looked... We really looked at um, that research and that work around like what do good readers, good writers, good spellers do? So our Friday session looked a lot at what what do good spellers do and how does that help us know? So what are the habits and behaviours that they have um, that we can use to really inform our teaching? So... And You'll so, hear that mirrored in today's podcast session of the habits and behaviours of good readers. Yeah, because our podcasts, um, just going back to back a step, are all about giving really good insights, special insights to teachers, especially on um, things we've learned about in the field, especially, yep. and uh, just practical tools that they can use and practical ideas that can really work in their yes. classrooms for them. Yes. So, with that in mind, um, and last week I know we talked, you know, extensively about our timeless tease of literacy instruction, but um, digging deeper and unpacking the habits and behaviours of good readers, uh, it's kind of getting to the nuts and bolts, isn't it, Sharon, of 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 reading what we do with reading. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So today we're really sort of going to explore. So what do we mean by habits and behaviours? And why are they important? How do we know which habits and behaviours we're really trying to develop for our young readers? Um, and how, do we, how can we support that? How do we grow readers in classroom by developing those habits and behaviours? Yeah, how do you kickstart it in the classroom? How do you get the habits and behaviours that you really want? Yep. How do you kickstart it and how do you 
keep that going. So really it comes back again to something else we keep mentioning all the time is about the three selves. How do we get good readers being self-motivated, self-regulated, self-directed as readers? Because that's what good readers are doing. They're the three things that they really um, bring to um, their, their reading practice. So. And these are not necessarily in order that you're going to tell us, but no. Um, no. we might start with number one, um, even though it's not an order. Um, what would you like? Well, yeah. so in unpacking today, in thinking about habits and behaviours, so really I think I mentioned a little bit earlier when I was talking about the uh, work we were doing with the principals, with like what do good spellers do. Over the last 30 years there's been a lot of... Uh, research that's really come about about looking at what do good readers do. So in looking at what good readers do, how can we bring that? Because good readers, learning about what good readers do, that is accessible to any child then. There is no... So often when I go into classroom and I say, oh, we're going to do something today about, you know, that good readers do... And immediately some children sort of slump down as if to say, well, I clearly know I'm not a good reader. Mm, mm. And that's that's not what we want young readers to feel straight away. It's not, well, it's wrong. They mm. should never feel that they are not a good reader. Because they're we all can, good at some aspects. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think at times we're clear enough about what are... What are what do good readers do? What are those habits and behaviours of real readers? So the yep. number one one that we want yep. to talk about is that good readers actually read a lot. Sometimes we do fall into the trap of thinking when a child isn't a good reader that we need to do lots of work with them on reading components, the parts of reading that's going to get them into knowing, well, I have to I have to know this, I have to know my sounds, I have to know um uh you know these these parts of reading, but we actually want readers to know that being a good reader is reading books. It's knowing how to read you know, hold Full texts, continuous text, that it isn't learning how to just read little bits and pieces of things or learning how to read some words and then let's put all of this knowledge together when it comes to reading. We want, so good readers are reading continuous text and they're choosing that text. They are choosing texts that are right for them that allow them to read with understanding, around the, allow them to read accurately and with fluency. So even if they're starting off as a reader, they're still. how can they access that reading um, as a beginning reader? So as a beginning reader, well, then we're really moving into number two. Oh, okay. We'll, which, we'll come to that in which, a minute. Yeah, which yeah. doesn't mean that that's not important. No, no. Um, but early readers, well, let's go there anyway. All right. Because how do, how do early, like we know, all of us can relate to that. So what did we do before 
we could read for ourselves, we had people read to us. And by people reading to us and us looking along, then we would grab those books and we would do the work of the reader that we knew because it was familiar to us. We would do, we would, we might say, oh, we pretend read or we read because we used our memory to reread that or we talked about, we told the story using that text because we knew it well. There were parts that were repeated and we could, um, we could say those. We learnt to do things like matching, well, this is a word. We, we, we're learning how reading works by using books to do that. We're not using books to do that. So three little kittens that lost their mittens, I remember how that book taught me to be a reader. Margaret Meek, all her work around how texts teach is really important for us to understand about it's the it's the it's books that help us to become the reader so whilst we are being able to use the behaviors of a reader that's what's going that's what we need but those behaviors exist within books we apply those to books. When we're just applying that to a list of words or we're applying that to something that has no meaning, then we've missed the mark on the reading behaviours that we need. So reading a lot and lots of research is letting us know that if we want to become stronger and better at reading... It's like anything else. The more we do of it, the more success we have with it. So a reading habit is simply, and that's a habit we want to develop, that we choose to read, that we see that reading is something that brings us, that we can do it, brings us such joy, brings us you know, builds our world of information and understanding. So lots of practice, lots of access to books because without access, how can we practice? And also just write books. So just write books. So that's what I've said already. Mm. They're mm. books that, that we can read accurately, we can read with understanding and we can read with fluency. So mm. just write books means... We're not just, um, as I said, it's books that it needs to be those things. You know, we're not just, you know, casting our eyes over something mm. and not being able to understand it. What makes something right is if we can be accurate, understand and have fluency to read that. That's the behaviour of a good reader. Mm. And every child in your class has an entry point with those just right books too. Well, when I have a book where I can be, where I can have that reading success, then I'm going, then I'm allowed to use the behaviours of good readers. Yep. So, yes, just write books are important, but I think sometimes we also need to just drill down to that next layer and say, just write means I'm reading with understanding and accuracy and fluency. 
that, you know, that's the goal of reading. Not what level that book is, but what what I can bring to that book. And how do my young readers get there? Like we said, with lots of read aloud, there's entry points then. Right, I know that book. Now I've got an entry point into that book to read with some accuracy, understanding and fluency. And also with as a young reader using the sounds and using oh, the, the, yeah. me, the medium. Loads of, let's get back down mm. to that one in a moment about the range of strategies that we're bringing with that. But, okay. but importantly, we want to talk about how um, we want, so it's, it's getting into a habit, first of all, yeah, really important to of reading. Really important to start that habit. Yes, uh, as the initial yeah initial phase. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. habit means that somebody has helped us, whether that's teacher, whether that's as Aidan Chambers talks about, he refers to enabling adult. Someone in our lives is supporting us through that process of saying. Let's find books that we can either read together or that you're going to read for yourself. So that book selection, that we get to talk about those books and that we get to do it for ourselves. So we need, we need someone doing that guiding to develop, to have something that will develop a habit otherwise if no one is no one is saying that i'm going to get to be a better reader by reading then we're missing a really big opportunity for developing the habit of reading and sometimes those habits have formed at home and sometimes not well and sometimes they're formed at school and sometimes not yeah so as teachers if we if if a child isn't in the habit of reading, then we need to bring that to to our our classrooms. Mm. So habit building a habit means that we dedicate time, we give time every day. So as Allington would say, every child every day should have the opportunity to read something that they've chosen, that they can read with understanding, and with fluency and with accuracy. So that's us saying that's what good readers are doing. Mm. That's the habit we're trying to build. I think I've got it. I know. I'm just thinking, I think Mm. I'm saying things over and over (laughs) again here. Well, that's because And people will be going, oh, my God, I think she said that already. I think it's my comprehension. (laughs) That's why I'm asking not very good questions. (laughs) Um, They're good questions, Phil, because actually it is that habit piece yeah. is something that can easily be missed. You know, yeah. we can, and as teachers, we can hear ourselves saying too, mm, they're not in the habit of doing it. Mm. As soon as we hear that, we go, okay, that is our job. There's our first job. Yeah. Let's create a culture and an environment where we can build that habit for children. Yeah. And then I want to I want to move into this next one because once like creating that habit isn't just about okay right everybody just has to be doing this now mm. but there is what comes with that 
is that we want to build the habit, but it's we're building the motivation to read. Is that number What's two? the reason mm-hmm. to read? Well, yep. it's not really a number two. Um, all of these things are linked together. Okay. Right. These are, um, along with a habit, any of us who continue with habits know that we need to be motivated to continue it. So apply that to anything. I could apply that to dieting. <laughs> mm. You know, if I have to do this, how... Any habit that we're trying to establish, mm. we need to feel motivated. Right. We need to have interest. We need to feel confident. And we need to be dedicated to it. So there are other pieces that as teachers we are building in that classroom community. We're trying to build that interest and confidence and dedication to that habit of reading. So how do we go about doing those sorts of things? So read aloud is a big part of that. Yeah, I would have guessed read aloud would be the one that can really inspire kids to yeah. love reading. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That motivation. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So by introducing children to a wide range of things. Now, these are the texts that they can't necessarily read for themselves. We talked about the habit I need to be reading books that I can you know that are um, just right for me but our read alouds oh they should be the books that we can't read for ourselves so they're the ones that are going to open up all kinds of doors different genres different authors different worlds of information different concepts that we haven't Come across. So, read aloud is that big way to expand that world of reading, not just expand it, actually open the doors Mm. to more of it. Mm. Um, Once again, you know, and whenever I talk about, you know, this is this is a long life here of you know reading for me, but as a child in the sixties, um. Not that I'm saying I'm in my 60s now, but growing up in the 60s, nearly there, (laughs) growing up in the 60s um, in Australia, sourcing books in a country town became a bit of a mission for my parents. I was really, I wanted to be reading. They knew um, that it was important and they were forever chasing down books and then in primary school, I can just about tell you every book that I was read aloud in primary school. That was the significance and the depth and the the um, the joy of that. So Charlotte's Web, Midnight, Secret Garden. Mm. Um, we were read poetry every day. So... In that way, teachers were showing me, as my parents were, why I would want to have the habit of reading, Mm. why I would want to buy into that. The read-alouds just absolutely convinced me why I wanted to be reading. You you saw that it was a great thing to do. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You see someone riding a bike, you say, well... Yeah, I'd love to be riding that bike. Yes, yeah. I can do that one day. And through the read aloud, teachers were teaching me 
the behaviours of what I needed to be a good reader. So without... Um, without t- actually teaching you, they were just... Sometimes they were. They okay. would let me know about how do I... Um, you know, good readers might know... Um, like so, you know, chapters will end. Like that's the end of the chapter. Oh, what, what's the writer done here? How have they ended that chapter? What do I do as a reader? Hold on to all that information for the next chapter. Mm. So they were always through that read aloud, really teaching me explicitly and implicitly and allowing me to practice as I was listening or allowing all of us to practice as we were listening what kinds of things we needed to do as we comprehended our way through complex text. And Sharon, sometimes that text was not just a read aloud, it was a a shared text that a teacher was showing you. Yes. Or with your parents it was a book that you were sharing together. Where I could see the text as they were reading it to me. And you'd start pointing to some of the words. Yes. So, you know, we know how important, and Don Holdaway, his work with why he um, developed the big book or the Mm -hmm. enlarged text was to replicate that child on a parent's lap seeing the text. And in this way, a class could see the text. So together, the whole class so he, or a small group. What he was could, teaching at the time was quite innovative because he was trying to transfer what the parent was doing with yes. their single child yep. to the whole class with a big yes. book. Yep. And that whole term of shared reading gets a little bit... People t- sometimes get a bit mixed up with that, but yeah. so Yes, but... In large text, that shared text experience yep. is what I tend to refer to it as because I, I think that's less confusing because mm. shared reading, budding reading can sometimes be, not budding, buddy, sorry, <laughs> reading, um, can sometimes be um, used synonymously. But that shared text experience lets us as teacher show and demonstrate and talk aloud, think aloud what behaviours I'm using as a reader to do this reading successfully. So the good mm. reader strategies, the good reader actions, because that's what good readers are doing. They are active. They're not just letting things happen to them and letting these words just go past their eyeballs. This is about being active, being an active thinker, being a questioner, picturing. And really here we can move into, you know, what are those strategies yeah. that good readers are, are I, using? Because I was going to say the shared um, experience with the text let you look at um, at a word or sentence or or, a, or or at a letter. Um, you really really can drill down to yeah the actual text, can't you? That's right. Yeah. So all of the strategies that or behaviours that you know we can really teach through that enlarged text or that shared text experience or the read aloud, but certainly seeing 
text and how we work with that, what we do. When so strategies would include things like um, modelling word solving strategies. So what do we do when we come to words that we don't know? What strategies? Not just there's not just one strategy. There's a whole range of strategies we can draw on. And we can show in different instances, in different circumstances, what strategy we can employ and what is a good reader's strategy. So in continuous text, what is it that we can do to make meaning at that, at that point? So I'm not going to go through all of the strategies that would be used mm. because I think along the way in podcasts, yeah. you know, we'll yeah. talk... Sure. Yeah, drill down into these a bit more. But we're really just sort of giving an overview of, so there'd be word-solving strategies. There are strategies to monitor our own reading to say, hmm, did that sound right? Mm. Did that actually make sense, what I just said? And then we want to have strategies to fix up strategies, to correct those things so that we are being self-regulated because that's what, good readers are doing. They will self-regulate. We want some strategies for adjusting our fluency. So what um, are we doing okay, with reading? Pun- mm. So when we read, are we reading um, Are we reading the punctuation? Sometimes we're okay. reading over punctuation or are we phrasing it in a way that gives us the meaning? Are we reading so fast that we're not having a sense of what it is that we've just read? Or do we give characters voices as we're reading to say, ah, this character's just said this, this is another character saying that. We want to have, um, and all of, well, fluency immediately impacts on comprehension Mm -hmm. because it's about making sense, but then we would have specific comprehending the text strategies. So things like... Can we can we picture that? Is what we've just can we see this in our minds? Because text requires us to be able to picture what the author is is saying. Mm. Not everything is drawn out for us. So visualizing, predicting, questioning. Good readers are questioning all the time as they listen or read text. Oh, what's going on here? Why is that happening? Is that did I misread something or oh, making a prediction? It's this wondering, questioning, summarising, inferring, even setting a purpose for reading. Why am I reading this? What I'm coming to this. If I'm reading for information on something, I'm going to look at this text. Let me look at the structure of it. Let me look at how I can, I've got entry into this text to find what it is that I've set purpose about. Vocabulary learning, Um, we just learn so much from, um, you know, around word meaning from continuous text. You know, we build vocabularies, we build enormous vocabularies Mm -hmm. through um, reading. Responding to reading, we want strategies about how we can respond. Metacognition, this is that. Self-motivation, self-direction, self-regulation. I, When I'm aware of what I'm doing as a reader, 
then I'm really being an active reader. I know what behaviours I have as a reader and what I need, you know, to to be successful. Um, and my background knowledge. And, and a lot of those we can, you know, go further in future podcasts. Oh, yes, we can. Uh, and, and, you know, down the track mm. there's lots of resources we've got for those, you yep. know, for teachers to... Yep. Um, Learn more about so just along re- the way. Recapping so far, we've got read a lot of just right books. Um, we've got motivated. Uh, we want children to be motivated to read and grow as a reader. Yes. Um, and then we've just talked about problem solving with a range of strategies. Yes. What's next? So the behaviours of good readers. So building behaviours and habits of good readers is also responding to feedback. Okay. So for children to build their behaviours. So one of the ways teachers know what behaviours and habits to build for readers is to find out what students are doing as they read. So by conferring with readers, so listening to them read, seeing what they're doing as they read and being able to... Um, at at that point to even be able to say, ah, oh, when this happens in your reading, this is what we can do. So we can we can introduce them to a new behaviour on the spot. We can get them responding to that new teaching, get them pr- to practice it there, and then take that into their independent reading as a strategy to practice. So part of their actions and behaviours that they can take into. One thing that I didn't get to mention earlier on is when I'm talking about good reader strategies, I really want to anchor some of those in child language in the classroom. And so, how, how would you do that? So doing that, so folks, you don't need to worry about searching the internet for ready-made charts of that. Make the chart with your students and and write those actions together. So what is it that, say it's a word-solving strategy that we're, we've introduced to them. Let's say, you know, that the good reader will, um, you know, does, you know, to solve words, the good reader, um, you know, might, for a young reader, you know, we might look at what's the... Um, what could the word be? Let's check that is that what that word starts with? Is that what makes sense? I can list that on the chart as a strategy. I've demonstrated it. And then in a conference, same thing. I can demonstrate that strategy and I can either leave it with the child um, as their own action or if it's on a chart... There may be a number of children in the class that I can say, wow, this is a strategy I've noticed many of us will really, you know, we're ready for. So anchoring it somewhere on a chart, a good reader chart, lets children know what kinds of behaviours are successful things to be practising. Also reminds us as teachers to remind children to use that strategy. And, and and in the conferring, you really can get to each child and um, help them with those anchored strategies and which yes. ones that they yeah. need to go further for. Yeah, and, 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 that, and let them show us what it is that how they're growing. 
as and, a reader. And some of your most powerful teaching can be in the moment with that one child or a gr- small group. Yes. Because yep. we were talking about groups uh, in another podcast and mm. how grouping, if it's flexible like this, it could be yes. really quite powerful. That's right. If I can see this, these children all need this strategy, yep. then I can, I can pull that group together around that shared text that I'm using. So if I've got a shared text and I know that these are the ones that need a bit more work with that or they're ready for or they're the group of students that are ready for a strategy that no one else in the class is yet ready for, I can be very flexible in saying, oh, right, you're ready, you're ready because I know where they are as readers. So I can, yes, bring those um, strategies to them in what um, the principal consultant that I work with calls, I can do it just in time. Yep. Just in time. This is what's needed right now and I can show them how it works with the text that we're working with. So it's it's a very um, organic and seamless way of being able to keep building behaviours um, and letting them apply it with me as well as applying it for themselves. And, and and you're all uh, by recording all this. You it it may be organic what's happening, but there's a lot of recording so that you're yeah. keeping tra- track exactly on what's happening with each child. Yes. Well, by organic, I'm not meaning you know so organic that's dropping out of the you know no, bottom no. of the earth here. No. You know, it's yeah. I'm clear about what kinds of behaviours yep. I'm teaching for children to be successful at practising their reading. Yep. And then my recording will reflect that, but more importantly, children themselves will know what it is that they are doing as a reader, that they can clearly say that this is what I'm doing. I want them to be able to name the action. Um, there's, there's plenty of resources out there, you know, that refer to actions that, you know, might have cute names, but they don't actually give readers the behaviour, the action of what to do. So I'm just going to be politically careful on that front. Okay. (laughs) And I think we've got our last dot point, uh, which is talking about their reading. Yes, because... I don't want to just have children relying on me being the only one giving them, you know, waiting for me to give them feedback and guidance around what next. I want them to be able to share with others what they're doing as readers. I want them to be able to talk to others about. So today, Phil and I, we're paired up. I'm going to tell you, Phil, what I did in my reading today, what behaviours or what actions I used that helped me, you know, made, you know, helped me understand this part or really helped me work out what was going on in this, this scene or in this event or in this set of, this set of circumstances. So that that talking about reading is such an important part of, like, that is actually a good reader behavior. Now, 
there is a good reason why book clubs are so popular, apart from all the extras that go with book clubs, like the wine and the cheese and whatever. <laughs> right. Reading is actually a very social thing. And, of course, if reading wasn't, there'd only ever be one, you know, books would never get published. We want to read, we want to read books that we want to engage in stories that authors write. Yep. We want to, um, and then we want to talk about that. There's books you've read that then I want to read them, Phil. Mm. And there's books that friends of mine have read that uh, that they recommend to me. It's no different in a class. We want children talking about the the behaviours and strategies that they're using, but we also want them talking about the books that they're reading yep. because that's the joy of reading. That's the what have we learnt from this book? What have we discovered? Aidan Chambers talks about four, if we weren't, going to talk about anything other than these four questions, these would be really good things to just talk about. What did I like about the book or what I read today? What didn't I like? What what really, you know, what upset me or what what made me sad about what a character did or you know, let me have some emotion around, you know, this this story, not just a um, I'm not just answering someone else's questions. I've got my opinion about these things. What puzzled me? So what what was new and different for me in here that, you know, the way a character behaved, why did that puzzle me? Because, wow, I never knew someone might do that sort of thing or I'm not clear why that character's acting that way. So what's puzzling? Because any good book is full of things that are going to make us wonder and be puzzled about it. And the, and the other um, of the four questions he talks about is, what patterns am I noticing in this book? So what things might be reoccurring? What things, what does um, a character keep doing? What's a pattern that we see? Or, you know, is there, for older readers, you know, is there some imagery that keeps reappearing? Like, where are the patterns? So these are big, interesting things for us. This is big thinking that we can be doing and there are things that we can be talking about and sharing and wondering and not just having sit in our own heads. E. e. Cummings, um, the author, said, how can we know what we think until we hear what we say? So that talking about um, what we're doing as a reader and what we're understanding as a reader, that's really getting to the heart of why we read. And a beginning uh, tool for a teacher to use in this area, you you like Turn and Tell. Oh, yes. Yep. Really easy one. Thanks, Phil, because I get way off track sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're here, Mr. Co-host. Um, yes, Turn and Tell. At the end of um, a, an independent reading time where children are choosing and Texts that texts of their choice and that just, they can read. They just, just write. write books. Mm-hmm. Um, a very easy um, at the end of reading is so. Phil and I we're next to each other. Phil, you've got sixty seconds to turn and tell me about your reading today. So I'm. It's not. We're not engaged in a conversation at this point. You're. It's your opportunity to tell me. 
as teacher, we can focus that in or we might just leave it open as it just maybe the Aidan Chambers questions or we could talk about a strategy, but then after your 60 seconds is up, then it's my turn to tell. So my reading today, this is what I've... So early on, we might guide more and then later on, guide less Mm. on that. Um, So that adds two minutes to our day, but that 60 seconds of being able to talk about really adds... Purpose is a great habit to be building and is a great good behaviour that we're establishing. So some good tools there. And I think, did you talk about it being a a way of children comprehending by talking? Yes. uh, um, Allington will talk about talk being the most underutilised comprehension strategy that we have available to us. So... If I can build in times, some guaranteed, some habitual times actually for talk, I'm really getting to, um, you know, bring in a really strong strategy. Hmm, forgot my train of thought there. That's not unlike me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yes, highly underutilized, cheap. It just takes sometimes year seven teacher that I was working with pushed that out to 90 seconds per child. So now I've got three minutes in the day where I've, I've made it a habit to turn and, t- turn and tell to, so, um, about my reading. So in summary, we've talked about uh, developing the habits and behaviours of good readers yep. and it's something we don't need to spend a whole lot of money on for a program. It's something that we can, just by knowing what to do, and also using our rich resource of our classroom library, yeah. um, we can get that all going on very, you know, not a very big budget. That's right. Is that right? As long as we've got some time, we carve time yep. to create the habit. Yep. And we we support as the enabling adult. We are um, bringing read aloud. Once again, just need one book for mm-hmm. that. So when if you're talking budgetary wise, one book for that, and and then bringing the behaviours and actions of readers to students through through those real texts, through that shared text or um, read aloud, and uh, all the time you're developing those three selves: the self-motivated, self-directed, self-regulated. Yes. Child and we're trying to get develop problem solvers. Yes, in their yeah. reading, thinkers, a, thinkers, and using a range of strategies. Yes. Um. So I think that's uh, sort of sums up what we've been talking about today. Um. Any any else? Anything else to well, add at, at the there, end? There, there is just one other thing that mm. we can say about when we're talking about good reader strategies. And really thinking about how um, readers are using those strategies, really interesting to note then, how do those play out for your students as writers? Because when we think about what we're doing as readers, we can translate a lot of that into writing. So 
But that's another podcast. (laughs) But it's worth noting we get a lot of payback for those strategies in the writing. Fantastic. And um, just wrapping up now with our two key questions um, as we're doing it on each podcast. Yes. Um, A tool, Sharon. All right. This week's tool is completely related to um, what we've been talking about today and I've already been alluding to it, but um, the teachers at Mount Barker South Primary School here in the hills um, have turned their learning intentions into good reader statements. So rather than, um, in fact, not just good reader statements, but good reader actions. So they've found that just by prefacing um, a learn if they're thinking about what the learning intention is, so we can start that with children will or we will understand how or we can, just by prefacing it with good reader, it turns it into an action. Good readers do this. Good readers do that. So it's been really um, powerful to see how just that, and that's going up onto the anchor charts, so they're keeping those... Um, building up on charts, so it stays up there for us to keep referencing, but it's ensuring that teachers are teaching good reader actions, teaching good reader behaviours. It's building a growth mindset because every child's got the entry point into it and they're understanding that the action that they're taking is the action of a good reader. It's motivating, it's building habits it's giving them practice and it's really building interest in what they're doing as readers. So that's my tool for the week. And I should have said um, a que- oh, I should have asked a question because all I said was, what's a tool? But our question was, what's a tool you've been using in the classrooms this week? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Well, that was my abbreviated question. <laughs> right. And Lucky my, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Yep. My next question is, uh, what's a tantalising text you've been using in the classroom? Oh, wow. Well, this one. This is my pick of the week is going to a fun little um, rhyming picture book text called Going to the Volcano, written by Andy Stanton and illustrated by Miguel Ordonez. I've chosen this one because it's what I would call a text for two voices or more. And so Phil and I are actually going to enjoy sharing this one with you today. We are going to be the two voices of the text. Um, So that means Phil's Phil's taking the um, voice of Dwayne today. I'm taking the voice of Jane. So nowhere in the story does it say that this is Dwayne and Jane speaking, apart from the very first line. So I hope you have, well, I hope you have fun listening to this little story. (laughs) I hope you might have fun reading this with your class. Um, Great one, as I said, fun to read with your class. Great for kids to read with a partner. And it's actually a great model for writing your own going to somewhere. So in this one, it's going to the volcano. But just imagine after you hear this one where you 
or where together you and your writers might um, go. So here we have going to the volcano. I like the little byline on the front cover. So funny, you'll erupt with laughter. (laughs) Here we are. Okay, I'll start. Going off with Jano to look at the volcano. Going off with Jano to look at the volcano. Walking down the lane to look at the volcano. Walking down the lane to look at the volcano. Riding the Great Dano to look at the volcano. Riding the Great Dano to look at the volcano. Sitting on the train to look at the volcano. Sitting on the train to look at the volcano. Jumping on the plane to look at the volcano. Jumping on the plane to look at the volcano. Flying off to Spain to look at the volcano. Flying off to Spain to look at the volcano. Splashing through the rain to look at the volcano. Splashing through the rain to look at the volcano. Going up the crane to look at the volcano. Climbing down the chain to look at the volcano. Pause. In a lot of pain because of the volcano. In a lot of pain because of the volcano. Never do it again oh. Stay off the volcano. Never do it again oh. Stay off the volcano. <laughs> that's great. Love it. Yes. So that's a what year level would you Oh, I don't know if I'd put a year level on it. No. No. But I am going to say one thing, Mm. that in that read, I've read that many times as a read aloud. For you today, Phil, that was your very first read. It was. So, listeners might even notice that my expression... Was better. Was... (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, Was different. (laughs) Yes. Than yours, because, of course, it's a perfect one. For getting the expression going, you know, looking at um, in, in fact, if I've how had, we tell, come if, on, Mr. Drama, you would read it differently no, the next time, I, wouldn't you? If I'd had to repeat what you were saying, it would have been yeah. easier for me. I was the first to say Yes, yeah. that's because you had to be Dwayne. Oh, okay. Dwayne-o. All right. <laughs> sharon <Hello. laughs> Okay. Well, I think we'll just wrap up now. <laughs> and thanks, everyone, for joining in on this po- podcast. And I think... Next week, we've got a very special guest. I won't say who it is, but a very special guest coming along to our next podcast, Mm. Um, Mystery. Yes. Um, But if you'd like to ask us any questions, go to our website, qlearning.com.au, and uh, go to the contact section. Um, We hope we're giving you lots of tools and ideas for your teaching of literacy from the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. And signing off. Yes. Looking forward to catching up again next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, please subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player. At Q Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.